0: Snuff Production. Hello, welcome to the briefing. It is Wednesday, March 17. I'm Tom Tilly, and we're loving your messages on Instagram. Scott said, "I'm loving the podcast. Been listening since halfway through 2020. Listen every day. The topics are so great. Thank you so much, Scott." And Monique has written in as well, saying, "Really appreciate how you bring different journals to the table, who each have their own unique ways of interacting." And speaking of which, we've got Katrina Blowers back today. Hello, hello. Great to have you again in your own unique way of interacting. Thank you so much for your message, Monique, by the way. And anyone else, you can get in touch via the Instagram DMs. And um, we'd love to hear from you, your ideas for stories. But yeah, we're getting the, the perspective of the Channel 7 Brisbane newsreader today. <laughs> I've got a curly one about a Queensland politician for you okay. in just a moment. Also, Katrina do you play a musical instrument?
1: You know, I've just taken up piano again. I played it as a kid and now I'm picking it up again as an adult.
0: Ah, interesting. Because our briefing topic today is about learning an instrument as an adult and how it's different, uh, more challenging.
1: Yeah, much harder.
0: <laughs> and potentially more rewarding in different ways.
2: Mm. My mum passed away and we were going to get rid of the old piano. So I said I'd take it. And then in COVID, I just started playing it. And i have never played an instrument. It's changed my life, to be honest. I love it.
0: Yeah, we're going to find out how much harder it is to learn and what it can do for you.
2: You're practising a form of mindfulness. When you play music, there's all sorts of different parts of your brain that are lighting up. Yeah,
0: learning to play an instrument as an adult in just a moment. First, let's get into the big news of the day.
1: Well, Tom, there are fears of a big COVID emergency brewing just to our north.
0: Yeah, Papua New Guinea is seeing a wave of infections. They've gone from almost no cases each day and are quickly moving to 100 cases a day. This is a
2: health catastrophe uh, and already has run away. And no longer can uh, Australians say, yeah, but the vaccines are only for us. Uh, This is really now a domestic issue.
1: Yeah, that is Tim Costello, who's the Executive Director of Micah Australia, and they administer aid to PNG.
0: Yeah, and Australia's jumping in here. Obviously, this is really close to home. Um, We're often very closely involved with Papua New Guinea. We're fast tracking uh, the sending of COVID vaccines to PNG. And Scott Morrison's expected to announce today um, a new round of COVID support for PNG, including uh, the vaccines, but also PPE
1: pretty grim situation. And the Queensland government in particular, Mm. because of where we're situated, obviously, is particularly concerned with that outbreak. Growing numbers every day now in Cairns Hotel quarantine linked to PNG and fears that this could really escalate and potentially tip us over the edge.
0: Yeah, it's a warning not to be complacent, isn't it? Because I thought this could have happened earlier for PNG. It was amazing that they kept their numbers down for so long, but to see them having a wave this late and there was just a funeral of Michael Samara raising fears of a, a big cluster so yeah one to watch closely.
1: Well Australian medical authorities are trying to calm fears here about the AstraZeneca vaccine.
0: I can absolutely
3: say that I remain confident in the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, that it's safe uh, and that there is at this point no uh, evidence that it causes blood clots.
0: That's Chief Medical Officer Professor Paul Kelly, and this comes after a number of European countries have suspended their use of the drug
1: in particular countries where it's had a rampant um, spread of the virus. So Spain, France, Italy, Germany, they've all halted their rollout after reports of some patients developing blood clots after receiving the vaccine.
0: Yeah, so it is scary to hear, you know, those big European countries suspending the rollout of this vaccine. Um, But AstraZeneca and the World Health Organization have said there's no evidence that it causes the blood clots. And when you look at the numbers, we're talking about Less than 40 people who've had these blood clot issues out of 17 million people who've been vaccinated so far in the UK and Europe.
1: Interestingly, here, Coalition backbencher Matt Canavan is weighed in. He's saying we need to halt the rollout. He's really split from the government on this front, and more analysis needs to be done on these blood clot fears.
0: What's the risk currently of Australia's getting the coronavirus? Very low. What's the risk of something going wrong with the vaccine rollout? Well, it's obviously heightened now that a lot of other countries have suspended their rollout. Yeah, very interesting to hear Matt Canavan weighing in on that. He's joining independent MP Craig Kelly, who has a pretty bad reputation for spreading misinformation. You know, as someone who follows the news very closely in Brisbane... What's the view on Matt Canavan and why he will be weighing in on this?
1: So you've got to look at Matt Canavan lives in Rockhampton and in regional Queensland, it's traditionally a place where people really question traditional structures. So Matt Canavan has said that that the TGA is not the Vatican. We shouldn't be looking at the TGA as a a place of, you know, absolute trust and authority. Strange comparison
0: because a lot of people don't trust the Vatican (laughs) for good reason.
1: (laughs) It is interesting, isn't it? But um, Pauline Hanson also has spoken out against the AstraZeneca vaccine. And again, Pauline Hanson had huge support in regional Queensland.
0: Yeah, interesting. So this means the government have had to come out and hose down the voices of one of their own backbenchers. Here's what Greg Hunt, the health minister, has been saying.
1: Today, the government has had renewed advice supporting that vaccination program from the Chief Medical Officer of Australia, from the Therapeutic Goods Administration of Australia and from the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation. So really having to ramp up that messaging campaign uh, ahead of our local production of AstraZeneca vaccines, which kicks off later this month.
0: Yeah, and we're relying so heavily on that after you know the problems we've had importing um, the AstraZeneca vaccine. We're all like, OK, we're making it here, so things are going to be OK. But that, that message is so crucial and that confidence. An outgoing federal government coalition MP has broken down in parliament uh, describing harassment she endured during her time in politics, and that's why she's leaving. Um, we're talking about Nicole Flint, the Liberal MP from the South Australian seat of Boothby. She's called out Labor for her hypocrisy.
1: And she's also uh, said that uh, Labor's created an environment in which hate against women can flourish. I say to the leader of the opposition, get your own house in order. And I say to the the opposition, this can't be about politics anymore. (sighs) We all bear the responsibility for change.
0: Yeah, really emotional. It was really sad reading her story about why she left Parliament.
1: Well, her electoral office was um, vandalised in the 2019 campaign. Um, the, the words um, prostitute and skank were spray painted. Um, she says that get up has been particularly spiteful yeah. in its campaign against her. Uh, oh, my heart went out for her, Tom, when I heard her speaking just then.
0: Yeah. I've met her. Um, my dad's a local councillor in that area, so he he knows her, has worked with her, and by all reports, she was a really good, hardworking local MP. So to see her pushed out of Parliament because of abuse and harassment is quite sad. And it's it's interesting that it's a coalition MP mm. copying it from so-called progressive activists yeah. um, who are normally known for championing gender equality. And it it does make you wonder where this whole debate around harassment, assault of women Um, will go for Labor. I mean, so far, all of the heat has been on the coalition, but we know a lot of these problems and attitudes exist across the board.
1: That's right. And I don't think either side can say they're squeaky clean on this front.
0: And Facebook has signed deals with some of Australia's biggest media companies.
1: Yeah, but we don't know what the terms of these deals are How yet, Tom? much? What are the figures? Uh, News Corp yeah. and Sky News have signed those deals. And there's talk this morning Nine has also signed, but has yet to formally announce that agreement.
0: I would say, you know, and this is just my opinion, but I'll give you the reasons that we're, we're winning this fight against Facebook. The David and Goliath battle, we stood up to them demanding that they chip in for news content. They tried to, you know, play hardball then came back to the table within a few days and now we're hearing that they're doing deals with all of these major media organisations?
1: Look, as a journalist who works for one of these organisations, which has signed a deal, I've got to say it makes me happy that these big companies are paying for the content Mm. that I create, but it also makes me nervous that I don't yet know exactly how this is going to play out and affect the kind of content that I'm able to create as a journalist and my independence on that front.
0: So are you worried that they might have some sort of editorial control as part of that deal I
1: think that's inevitable don't you Tom because it's a commercial arrangement uh, we're in this we're all in this at the end of the day uh, to make money uh, sadly mm. and that's going to ultimately affect the the type of material that performs or doesn't perform on these sites
0: I guess in commercial media that's always been a factor in broad terms that you're you're making content that appeals to an audience because we've always sold advertising around it but this is a new space where new kind of content different kind of content often divisive content is what gets clicks
1: i think we're also seeing a market where the niching of content is starting to flourish. So there is now space for uh, the the type of news that perhaps wouldn't have been seen as being overly commercial and appealing, finding its own audience. So while I'm a little bit nervous, I do remain optimistic.
0: And some good news, finally, for the Royals.
1: (laughs) Who would have thought a couple of weeks ago when we were kind of all writing his obituary, Prince Philip has left hospital after a month of being treated for an infection and undergoing a heart procedure.
0: Yes, I was 99 years old. He left hospital in a wheelchair and he was taken to Windsor Castle, where he and the Queen have been staying during the pandemic.
1: His recovery comes as reports a possible olive branch has been passed between Prince Charles, Prince William and Prince Harry after that interview with Oprah last week.
0: Gail King, who's a friend of Oprah and Harry's wife, Meghan, has said she's heard that Harry's been in touch with Charles and William.
1: Harry has talked to his brother and he has talked to his father too. Uh, The word I was given was that
2: those conversations were not productive but they are glad that they have at least started a conversation.
0: Well, I think it's a massive relief that um, Prince Philip is okay. I, I was pretty worried for Harry in mm. particular, but obviously for Philip himself and, you know, the Queen. But if something went wrong with him during all this Oprah
1: mm. stuff, oof. I know. He's 99, as we mentioned. So in June, he turns 100. I wonder, will he get a letter from the Queen like everyone else? (laughs) (laughs) A love letter. how romantic.
0: I got to say, my favourite parts of The Crown were those intimate moments between Philip and the Queen. They were quite touching and beautiful. Yeah.
1: If only that was like real life, right?
0: (laughs) I just can't wait for the Prince Philip Oprah interview. (laughs) All right, Katrina, we'll catch you later. We're about to talk uh, learning a musical instrument as an adult. You are listening to the sound there of a 55-year-old barman called GT playing the piano. Until last
2: year... He'd never played a
0: musical instrument in his life.
2: My mum passed away and we were going to get rid of the old piano. So I said I'd take it. And then in COVID, I just started playing it. And I'd never played an instrument, nothing. I thought I was totally tone deaf. I probably still am, but at least I can hammer out a tune.
0: So not only is GT hammering out tunes, he's even restoring the piano. He's basically fallen in love with it. It's changed my life, to be honest. I love it. It's quite a beautiful story and it got us thinking here at the briefing about the benefits but also the challenges of learning a musical instrument as an adult. So, it's a briefing with a more gentle musical touch today. Can you really learn music as an adult? And what does it do to your brain? We'll speak to a musical therapist and go in depth about the way the brain works when you're playing music in just a moment. First to a great jazz musician and a music teacher, George Washing Machine. George has actually come into the studio. You can hear him picking up his violin right there. George, can you play the first riff that comes into your head? Bit of a bluesy number there. What is that?
3: Uh, it's just something you, you said, make it up as you go. <laughs> <So I did. laughs> there so, you go. Completely yeah.
0: original. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, George, you started playing music at the age of
3: seven? Uh, yeah, about seven. Uh, my mother was a classical guitarist and she tried to teach me the guitar. So there was guitars around the house as a, as a little kid. Mm. And then I, she got her best friend to start to teach me the violin about seven, eight, you know?
0: Yeah. It's a hard instrument to learn. My dad tried to teach me around that age and I couldn't stick with it.
3: Yeah. So I, I had a, she was a French lady called Josette Escudan, and she was quite disciplined. I, I wasn't. And, uh, but I got there, you know, I kept playing yeah. and then gave it up when I was about 17 and played guitar because the guitar was more socially productive. Yeah. You met more girls. Attracting at home, girls. There. Yeah, I thought so. And um, <laughs> this was the 70s. <laughs> and, and then I, uh, by the time I got to about age 25, I discovered uh, Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grapelli,
0: this sort of hot club mm. gypsy jazz, what they call it now, and I went, wow, this is cool. You've had this whole other language going on most of your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think that's done for you on a, on a psychological level? The music is a, because
3: it's, a lot of it is not language, uh, it's, it's sort of melody and, the, and the, the way all those notes are interconnected. And as, as I think most of your listeners will know, you, you feel it. You know, you hear a piece of music and it affects you. And there's stuff that you might hear a song that you heard when you were a young person mm. or you heard, and they remind you of things and they take you Nostalgia, em- emotion. Yeah, but, but, you know, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. But the... <laughs> <That's deep. laughs> but so so the music has been a, a path, certainly a path, and I think having had a musical parent, it was, I was allowed to be a musician rather than, you know, like a lot of people say, but, oh, you play music, but what do you do for a, liver, mm. for a crust? And so I have kept my determination to do it. So, what is it like teaching adults compared to children? Kids, you're starting at the very beginning and you're you're showing them how to hold the instrument, how to put their hands on the instrument, how to get a sound out of the instrument, you know, the real basic stuff. Adults have had their whole life of doing whatever they did. It's a different challenge because the the brain has already formed these neural pathways and they're already sort of locked into a lot of stuff
0: can you harness that mental power and, and concentration for good? And can it, can it be easier to teach an adult sometimes? Adults uh, sort
3: of have more of a philosophy about, okay, yeah, look, I really want to do this. And then if you say, okay, well, look, here's the guitar. Now leave it out of its case and have it leaning mm. against the, the lounge chair there so that every time you walk past it, you pick it up. You know, so, so you've got to do that. You know, Don't just put the thing on, in its case on top of the cupboard
0: and then I'll get it. That's too much hassle. Yeah, yeah. you got to have it in your face, and you've got to pick it up. The comparison is learning a language. When you teach a child a language, you're basically just speaking to them and, and repeating, but when you teach an adult a language, it's done in a more structural way where you explain verbs and nouns and adjectives and conjugations, that kind of thing. What's the musical equivalent for that? Do you do you teach an adult music differently in that kind of way?
3: i, I got a feeling you teach them... The same way because you've got to keep it playful. The whole thing is about, for children especially, is enjoying it. You know, that's the hard thing is to get and then to get the kids to discipline themselves. With an adult, they know all this sort of stuff already but, you, and you, but you've and but you got to keep it playful for any of it. It's like we call it playing an instrument, you know, playing music. Of course there's a difference because they've had all these years and, and adults think that they know everything but they don't. Uh, if they haven't played music, it's a whole different ball game. Some people, they don't listen to music. They don't really get it. Uh, you know, odd, hard to believe, isn't it? Is it impossible for some people? I think if an adult has the keenness, like I know a couple of older guys, you know, who're in their sixties, mid sixties, learning. Uh, you know, they've been surrounded by music all their life, and they've got a record collection and what have you, and they're now playing the ukulele or the or the mandolin, and learning stuff and going off and hanging with a bunch of people, got a really great teacher, somebody who inspires you, that's going to make you want to want to do it.
0: Have you noticed anyone who was really struggling with their mental health and their state of mind be kind of rescued in a way by, by music and the way it could take them to a different space? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if you're concentrating on
3: music and you know, like generally in the whole in the whole industry, if you're taking care of that particular piece of music and you are nurturing that piece of music and trying to make it sound pretty and, mm. you know, shaping and turning, then you're kind of out of your own head. You're more concerned with the music and I think that's an important thing for all musicians to have that idea. If you take yourself out of it and, and you try to say, listen to this, you know, and listen to this, uh, say Eric Cassati, you know, da, de, da, 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 da. isn't that pretty? You know, let's try and mm. let's try and play it.
0: You know. Can you take us out by playing a bit of that? Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> that is jazz legend George Washing Machine. Joe Thompson is the musical therapist who gives guitars to veterans and guitars to fireys to help those people deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. There's this kind of perception that there's certain skills you can't learn once you get to a certain age and music is one of them, learning a language is another. But I often question that because you have a lot of greater powers of, of reasoning and analysis and identifying patterns that can actually make learning easier in some context, surely.
2: Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of research at the moment about how when you play music, it lights up all these different areas of the brain. When you're older, the different parts of your brain are often more cohesive and so that you're able to use, uh, say, your motor cortex and your auditory cortex uh, more integratedly already. And so, yeah, that's right being able to understand the content of the lessons, being able to understand the information that's being uh, given to you, it's probably easier, if anything.
0: And what about the benefits for an adult? I guess given that you've maybe developed certain ways of thinking that are maybe fairly ingrained, are there are there extra benefits when you learn an instrument and, and learn to understand music, you know, at an older age?
2: As you become Uh, get on in life, there's particular pressures and stresses that you come across. But what's particularly interesting to me is that playing an instrument can actually act as a form of mindfulness meditation. Now, if your listeners aren't too familiar with mindfulness, mindfulness is just the skill of being able to be present, being aware of your surroundings, and therefore be a bit less attuned to the to-do list or any potentially unhelpful memories in the past, and just be centered on the present. And by playing guitar, or, and I'm sure it's true for other instruments as well, you're actually able to attune to what you're doing, to the guitar, to the sound that it's making, and to what you're doing with your hands, and being less focused on yeah the other stresses of life that might be proving um, unhelpful for your mental health otherwise. Generally, when people practice mindfulness meditation, they um, very cognitively and very consciously try and focus on things that are happening around them they um, choose to listen to the sounds of the birds outside or the the sound of their own breathing. But when you're playing guitar, it naturally captures your attention. And so you're able to um, just become more aware of that, um, become more grounded in that. And so without necessarily realizing that that's what you're doing, that you're practicing a form of mindfulness. When you play music, um, there's all sorts of different parts of your brain that are lighting up. So you're Auditory cortex naturally is lighting up to do with uh, the sound that you're processing. The motor parts of your brain are lighting up to uh, be able to play the notes on the fretboard or whatever instrument it is. Uh, If you're reading music, then the visual parts of your brain are lighting up. If the music is something that means something to you, the emotional parts of your brain are lighting up like the amygdala and the parts of the limbic system. And all of these are happening in a cohesive and collaborative way. So it's about the way that the brain actually um, works together in a unique way when playing music. Something that's particularly interesting to me is that uh, if a neuroscientist was able to take the brain of a musician and take the brain of a non-musician and put them next to each other, just by looking at the shape of the brain, they'd actually be able to tell which one the musician was. And I don't think that's true for other disciplines.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. So if those parts of the brain... When activated, put you in a, a happier state and a and a healthy. What's going on in in the inverse situation where you say you're lying awake at night, catastrophizing your life and going down a a bit of a dark spiral? What what parts of your brain are activated when that's happening?
2: Yes. Yeah, so by playing guitar and practicing that relaxed, comfortable playing and meditative state, then you can actually retrain your brain to form. Uh, more, more helpful patterns of learning,
0: and right? More so
2: helpful patterns of yeah, relaxness.
0: Essentially, it's a way of rescuing yourself from those spirals.
2: That's right. Yeah, exactly. Learning an instrument can be um, one of the best ways to form those neural, new neural pathways. As you're learning uh, how to play an instrument, uh, whether that's guitar or something else, your brain is learning new ways of connecting within itself, and therefore. Um, cognitive decline is mitigated.
0: That was Joe Thompson, musical therapist who runs guitars for vets and guitars for fireys. I think I might go buy a new guitar. (laughs) I actually played guitar for 10 years as a kid, then got into bass and did the whole client liaison thing and bass is very much a band instrument, but guitar is a a beautiful instrument to play on your own and I have been thinking about getting back into it recently, so maybe that's just the impetus I needed. Listener.